Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, Koshi here. Before we get into this episode of The Call, I've got a favor to ask. The bigger the Ausbiz audience, the more we can invest in great content and keep providing quality investment ideas to you for free. If you could just take a minute of your time to leave a review of the call in the Apple Podcast app, it'll help keep our tribe growing. And of course, don't forget to catch up with all the best interviews each day at ausbiz.com.au. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the call. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a brand new week of The Call, 60 Minutes, where we take a look at 10 stocks, put them to an expert panel uh, between midday and 1 p.m. Eastern each and every weekday. Great to have your company for the next hour or so. Big welcome to our uh, expert panel today as well. Gaurav Sodhi from Intelligent Investor, Nathan Somersandaran from Deep Data Analytics. Uh, good afternoon to you both. Good weekend. Hi guys, how you doing? Uh, it was glorious, wasn't it, Nathan? What'd you get up to? Yeah, well, we've got a cat. Uh, exciting stuff. Um, <laughs> and my daughter suddenly, my daughter had to suddenly grow up and be a parent for twenty four hours. Oh, she actually nice. slept. She actually slept next to the cat because she was scared. Uh, <laughs> so it's it's been a fun fun couple of days. Oh, that's a, that's very cute, and I can see your daughter is a big Harry Potter fan as well, which is great naming the cat Hedwig, uh, which is fabulous after the owl, why not? (laughs) All right, let's get uh, straight into it because we always have a lot to talk about with you two. Thought uh, stock of the day today, we take a look at uh, some of the uh, mergers and acquisition movement around Sydney Airport today, uh, granting due diligence to the Sydney Alliance Consortium led by IFM after the group sweetened its takeover bid by 3.6% to $8.75 a share, valuing the airport at $23.5 billion. The bid follows two previously rejected proposals, which the board labelled inadequate. The non-exclusive due diligence is expected to take four weeks. Sydney Airport says the board's current intention is to unanimously recommend that shareholders vote in favour of the proposal in the absence of a superior bid. Uh, and Sydney Airport uh, share price this morning, tracking around that 8.38 mark on the on the back of the news. Um, look, uh, Gaurav, does this look as though it's a, a done deal at the moment? Um, and if so, do Sydney Airport shareholders just hang on and, and wait and cash in the shares? And, and the other thing, what does it say about other infrastructure stocks? Do they all of a sudden become in vogue? Yeah, we, we've been saying this for quite some time, Koshi. I, I think infrastructure, this, by its very nature and the timing of the cash flows, the fact that it requires so much upfront capex, it is a prime example of assets that have been perpetually mispriced by public markets and are ideally suited for patient capital 
private investors and those who want certainty over high sexy returns and all those all that description perfectly fits um, Sydney Airport as it fits um, many other businesses on the ASX. Spark Infrastructure is, is, a, um, is an example we've used in the past of a company that probably is better off in private hands rather than public hands mm. um, because it has to pay everything out as a dividend and perpetually raise capital to make new investments. It makes more sense as a private investment. It's been taken private as well. It's a great shame, I think, to lose Sydney Airport. It's it's we've had um, we've had a buy on and off Sydney airports for probably more than a decade. And it's been one of the great Australian businesses, a wonderful asset. Um, but I do think this bid is probably enough to get it over the line. It sounds as though the board has every intention of recommending it. And barring any bombs, I think this bid ought to go through. And I think that's probably the right decision as well. Uh, you know, this valuation is close to the highest that Sydney Airport has ever been valued at. Mm. And there's still a, a significant amount of uncertainty about the external environment. And and I've made the case in the past that I, I think future profitability might be impacted by the capital structure. I just don't think it's possible for Sydney Airport to run with so much debt in the future. And that's going to be a hit on equity investors. So I, if I was a shareholder, I'd be... I'd just be selling and moving on. I think this is pretty much yep. a done deal. But there is an opportunity. There is a chance that someone else could sneak in. So the sensible decision is probably to wait it out. Yep. Um, but um, I think this is a, probably going to be a done deal. And I think that's probably the yeah, right yeah. thing to and do. And from what you're saying, it's going to be better inside a big super fund than listed on the markets going forward. Certainly better for the members of the big super fund. Yeah. 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 Nathan, what do you think? Yeah. Um, like well, will they sweeten the deal to the superannuation fund members, give them a discount on parking? That would be attractive <laughs> at Sydney Airport, wouldn't it? Well, you'll never get that. Uh, I mean, <laughs> uh, uh, it, they'll probably put it up on price. But anyway, and then, get, you know what they'll do? They'll put up the uh, parking fee by like 30% and the members get it for less. Yeah. You know, that, that'll give you a boost for everyone. Oh, look, I love the fact that Gaurav used the word, you know, as long as there's no bombs, let's hope not. <laughs> because that's the, only thing, that's the only thing the airline industry needs right now. Um, oh, look, uh, this is a monopoly asset. Um, there is a quality asset. Um, everyone knew that. They were having an opportunistic bid. The fact that we've got into an economic mess and a federal election cycle is forcing governments to open up. So that the good thing about that is there is a set, There was a window where the bidders were trying to get a bargain basement deal, and that kind of got squeezed. So right now, I think the interesting part is, I mean, I think the Sydney airports is a done deal. I think Gaurav's right. I doubt there's going to be anyone else coming over the top. Valuations are pretty full here. Uh, but if you're a shareholder, you, you've got very little risk in holding, so why wouldn't you hold? Even if the yeah. market crashes, you've got to uh, take over a bid that's holding your share price. So it's probably a safe bid. I don't see any fundies selling out in the short term, so... It should be okay. Yep. Uh, but what this is actually telling you is that the super funds are willing to pay top price for an asset that will deliver into the future. And because you're paying a top price, your returns are not going to be great. But what they're saying is the risk in the rest of the market is a lot higher. The uncertainty going forward is going to be a lot higher. So that's where the infrastructure assets are getting the interest. I think there's going to be more that's going to come into play. I know people are looking for the next target. You know, APA gets mentioned a lot. I like that around here. It pays a good yield. So if you think about the long-term cash flow model, I think APA stacks up quite well. 
Um, I know um, Spark Infrastructure has been there. I think a lot of these infrastructure stocks are going to go into that play because when you get into this low growth environment, these kind of guys, you know, boring is sexy again. So these yep. guys are back on. Yep, absolutely. All right, let's get into uh, the stocks you've sent in for us to have a look at. Jamie, um, Nathan wants a view on Seek, the big uh, employment uh, platform. Um, it's in the education employment as well and general, and it's um, in a, a bit of online education as well in that, um, in that recruitment area and, and career enhanceability. What do you think of Seek? They had a few problems with their... Uh, question marks out their China uh, investment a year or two ago. Oh, look, you know, th- this is the all tech. Um, you know, you look at realestate.com, Seek, and car sales. The guys who got in early on, all three of them have been phenomenal winners. Um, the management in all three, very high. Uh, management done really well. Um, so it's, it's hard to doubt them. Um, they've done well, but, you know, the reality is everyone knows all three are good. Everyone knows the macro in all three have been really good behind them. They've done really well. They've really well run. So I don't see any bad news, but everyone knows that. It's priced in for that. Um, and I know Gaurav's a big fan. I'm, I'm sure we'll get a PhD on this soon. Um, but in saying that, I think everyone's priced that in. You're in a market where growth is priced for a lot more than perfection in some of these cases, but these guys deserve it. All three of them have done really well. So I don't have a problem. If you've been there, you've had a ride up, I wouldn't sell them. I'm happy to hold them because right. they've proven time and time again to do well. But if you've got fresh capital going in, I think in the shorter term, you probably will get it cheaper. In the short to medium term, I'm not jumping in. It's in my shopping list. Okay. Uh, Gaurav, uh, Nathan's throwing down the challenge. <laughs> yeah, he knows very well. It's a business we've liked for a very long time. Um, again, we've owned it and, and had a buy on it off, on, on and off for as long as I can remember. Um, and we, the last time we, we bought it and had a buy on it was during the uh, the pandemic. Um, and I believe we've actually sold it since. Um, I've got to jog my memory on that, but I think we have sold it since. So it's not long in, no longer in the funds, but it is a, a hold for us at the moment. It, there is a lot going inside Seek, and a lot of that activity has been disguised by buoyant domestic markets. These are there's a wonderful conditions um, for Seek, believe it or not. The the domestic returns are actually quite good um, at the moment out of Australia and New Zealand. Um, and what they're doing internally is that they've had um, they've long had um, a whole host of investments in overseas businesses and in nascent um, international platforms. So they've kind of rolled all those investments together and they've put them into a separate vehicle, which they're calling, I think, the growth fund or growth ventures. Yep. Um, and and that the, the beauty about that is that the accounting in Seek has been just diabolical for years. Our analyst um, is almost in tears every accounting period because he has to go through Seek um, in detail. And he, he was he was thrilled. He was actually, I actually think he did a, a cartwheel when uh, when they did this split because uh, it just simplifies the accounting a little bit. Um, but it also indicates uh, where the strategic of direction of the business might lie. I think now that now that ventures business is worth about uh, 1.6 billion dollars. Seek owns 85% of it or so, but they've been talking about whittling away their stake in that. Andrew Bassett, the founder of Seek, actually will run the ventures business, and I think there's every chance that they float or uh, spin off that ventures business at some point. And Seek becomes just a domestic, um, mature, high cash generation, but 
lower growth uh, sort of um, classifieds business. And we want to be really careful about how much we want to pay for that kind of business. It, it, I think the growth inside that traditional business may not be as robust as many imagined, and they're actually losing market share to new competitors. So Facebook and LinkedIn have taken market share from C, um, and it's been disguised a little bit because the results have been so buoyant. But without that extra fillip from the international divisions, I, I think this is probably a bit less attractive than it was. I'm super interested in the ventures. Keep an eye on that. If there's any hint of that spinning off, I think that's going to be really attractive. But for me, at this point, at best hold, I, I think it's a sell for me, really. Um, right. Longer-term investors can probably hold it, but I'm going to go with a sell on seat right now. Okay. All right. Yeah, I have to, I'll jump in there. Yeah. I think Gaurav's right. The market, I mean, the commentary that's been coming out from them is flagging that divestment. And and for me, it's it's a bit like, as Gaurav said, you, you're selling, you're breaking out the growth play. So you want to be with the growth play rather than the defensive play. And the defensive play, people forget that it is a cyclical, <laughs> it is an economic cycle. So the longer term aspect is so heavily linked to the economy. I think you want to be in the growth play. Okay. Oh, that's interesting. All right. Um, Gaurav AJ wants a view on Oz Minerals. Uh, he says, can Gaurav Maitan give us a view on Oz Minerals? Uh, is now a good time to buy with the with a long-term view, considering the forecast supply and demand dynamics for copper. Of course, it's a copper-focused uh, resource stock based in South Australia with a couple of projects in, uh, in WA and, and in Brazil. Uh, what do you think of Oz Minerals, Gora? Yes, look, I, I don't have strong views on copper. I, I know most in the market, and certainly the large miners, copper is one of the commodities that big miners are most optimistic about. Um, it's the one that attracts the most exploration expenditure. Um, and the trends on copper are fantastic. The grades have been declining for about a decade or so. There's been very few large-scale copper deposits. And the copper deposits that are in production, the big ones, um, they're in pretty dicey areas. And they're always a subject of, um, of operational and regulatory problems. So it's it's an interesting spot. I think I think copper can be recycled as well. So I, I wonder. I mean, I, I in my experience, the materials that attract the highest exploration spend, the ones that get the eye of the big miners, they're rarely the materials that outperform. And I my my suspicion is that's probably true for copper now as well. I, I'm not that keen on. I'm not actively going out and looking for copper exposure. But if I was, Oz Minerals, tell you what, this is this is one of the best copper miners, probably the best copper miner in Australia. Um, absolutely wonderful asset base, uh, world-class management. And um, what they've done with their um, with their two major mines has been extraordinary. So Prominent Hill, um, I remember when that thing was discovered, um, it's it's a iron oxide copper gold, it's known in the in the business as. These are these are big, big ore bodies, deep under down and deep underground, and they are renowned for complexity. So the fact that um, that Oz Minerals uh, has managed to kind of unlock the uh, unlock the, the secrets of mining Prominent Hill so successfully over a long period of time, it tells you that they've developed an expertise in IOCG mm -hmm. mining, which is, is not easy to do. And they're now looking for similar sort of ore bodies around the world. They've got a couple of promising prospects. And so I think the the inventory looks looks quite interesting in, in the future. 
Carapatina, which is the new up-and-coming copper project, um, they have done this beautifully. And what I really like about this business is that they had the option of bringing this um, ore body to market very quickly and generating quick profits, but limiting the long-term profitability of the ore body. They decided not to do that, and they spent their time and money developing it to maximize long-term value. That says so much about mm. the way management thinks, and it's so rare in the mining industry. I think if you're a copper bull, I think, and you're, and you're a long-term investor, you can still get reasonable returns from buying Oz Minerals, even though it is quite expensive today. Right. Okay. I'd also point you to the direction of Sandfire, which is a, I think, a, a maligned and ignored copper producer with, with a with, um, good asset as well. But it's a hold for me for now. Okay. Uh, Nathan? Wow, I'm surprised uh, Gaurav got to Sandfire. Um, yeah, look, Osmin is one of those, you know, if you're looking for copper exposure, Osmin is the only one. Uh, the rest <laughs> find dead bodies. The rest find dead bodies every six to twelve months. Uh, you just know it. I mean, it's a, bit, it's a new crest problem. Uh, you just know it's going to happen. You just walk into it, and when Sandfire uh, and the rest of the gang start to run, you know Osmin must be expensive, because that's when the commodity <laughs> is on fire and everyone's chasing for everything, because nobody wants to buy anything but Osmin. There's no doubt. Uh, and Graves right. I'm not going to repeat what he said, but the management is very highly regarded track record is one of the best um, and it's a commodity that you've got historically linked to economic growth cycle so we've had massive bounce on asset bubbles and commodities so copper has been one of them that's run up but then copper has got the other side of it with the ev uh, side of the game so again longer term aspect for gold copper is pretty positive but look the market knows that and osmin is one of the high quality ones so it's being priced up for that it's definitely, I mean, we got out of miners, you know, around May, June, uh, and Osmin is one of them. Uh, look, we love the stock. It was just too expensive. You've got to remember, commodities have a cycle. And when the cycle goes away, these things have huge leverage on the up and on the way down. So yeah. don't, you know, look at the last year and assume that's going to be forever. There, There is a reason why we have stagflation worries, because inflation's hit commodity prices to sky high. So just be careful there. I'm not a buyer here. If you've been in Osmin, I mean, we sold out, so we're not there, but I like it. But it's on my shopping list. It's the number one candidate for copper, but not right now. Okay. All right. Um, Enrico Maitland wants a view on nutritional growth solutions. Now, didn't know much about this. Um, it's uh, um, basically a nutritional health company focusing on, on kids, uh, comes out of... Uh, medical research in um, uh, one of Israel's pediatric hospitals, apparently. They've just done a placement, raised another $5 million to uh, try and expand into the US and, and China with a, uh, a nutritional supplement for, uh, for young teenagers. Yeah, oh, look, this is what I love about the show. You find out about stocks that you've never heard of. And <laughs> This is an interesting one. Um, I mean, they had a trial with ADHD kids. I mean, obviously, I've, I've got a son with special needs. So whenever these key terms come out, it gets my interest. Um, and I had a, a read through. It's interesting. Look, it's got a few red flags. It's a micro cap. It's a very small micro cap, recently listed, and it's already raising money. These are flags that always worries me. Um, and then, you know, you've gone for the bingo words. We want to expand into US and China. I mean, 
you it's it's always you know it's the words that the market wants to hear and that always scares me as well um so at the moment there is it's 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 like a biotech on the food side so you're paying up for um they, they deliver the track record since the ipo is not proving that the market doesn't believe that so I, i'm waiting it's one on my watch list i'm not jumping in um i want to see them execute get things moving and you know the tractor when and the rubber hits the road you want to see some performance yep. and then i'll jump on it at the moment you, you just got to trust management and it's such a small mi micro cap and they're going to be raising a lot of money to get this thing up and running so i don't think you need to be the guy who's paying for them to do that okay go ahead yeah very interesting little company again i'd never heard of it um so it's a 24 million dollar business uh, Nathan, I'm glad Nathan raised some red flags because there are there are quite a few here actually. So it's an Israeli business targeting the US and China for sales, and yet it's listed here in Australia, which is a curious development. Um, historically, that is not bode that does not bode well uh, when you have that kind of dynamic. Um, it's been going since 2013, but only generates $3 million in revenue, which seems like a really slow sales trajectory, unless it was a research business first and now becoming a sales business, in which case I want to see some capability in, in sales and marketing before you even think about investing. Um, the product is a is a kid's supplement, and it, they, they say it's got some scientific backing. Um, maybe it does. I, I have no way of verifying that. Um, but... The other thing that worries me is that there's, there's the distribution channel is uh, surprisingly narrow. They're only really in um, Chemist Warehouse's T-Mall store in China. That's the only channel I could find. Now, maybe there's more. I haven't seen it. But the only thing they're talking about is this T-Mall um, channel in China, which is, is successful. Chemist Warehouse mm. has done a remarkable job of accessing that Chinese market. But for a biz, for, you know, for, for a business with such grand ambition and where the marketing costs are starting to really accelerate, that's not enough. Um, okay. So, look, there's, it's possible that this product could take off and it could be super successful. Um, but the balance sheet has no inventory; it has no no property or plants. So, so are they manufacturing it themselves? It's just there's too many questions. It's too early stage, and there are too many red flags. Mm. I would just avoid this. You can keep an eye on it if you wish, but uh, for me, it's, uh, it's an easy avoid. Sure. Okay, uh, Sri um, Gaurab want to view on integral diagnostics. Uh, Sri says, hoping Nathan and Gaurab can give me a view on that, whether the recent share price dip is a good buying opportunity. Also, how does IDX compare to uh, capital healthcare, given fund managers also seem to like this company as an alternative um, many thanks in advance. Uh, in fact, Capital Health came up on the call last week. Gaurav was uh, on the panel. He said no to Capital Health and preferred um, integrated diagnostics. Um, still like it, Gaurav? Yeah, um, I'm not sure what the story is with Capital Health. It has done very well, and I can't really explain why it's done so well, um, because it's been a, been a basket case for a long time, um, and Integral is by far the preferred choice. This is a really attractive industry with really attractive economics, but every now and again, it does get hit with a regulatory burden. And one of those burdens has, has recently come to pass. And that's why the share price is down a little bit. So there's been changes in the Medicare rebate, which, which result in a higher out-of-pocket out of portion of the cost. 
Um, and I think the market quite quite correctly is probably inferring that there's going to be less tests if people have to pay more for the tests. And and that's entirely possible. And that's probably a reason why um, why the share price has fallen. Um, now, the, the company is telling us that also that the uh, volume of tests has fallen because of COVID. Um, now, I would have thought the market would be happy to look through that because you know, if you need a test, you can delay it for a little while, but you there comes a point where you can't delay it any longer. And I, and I think once we reopen, you'll probably see a very strong um, rebound in those test numbers. Um, it's also been losing market share. And I think that's probably another thing that scared the market a little bit. I'm, pro- I'm, I'm less concerned about that. There, there are competitors in this space, and it is a, it is a competitive field. Um, but economies of scale really matter in this industry. So scale really matters. And um, and these guys, what I like is that they've been unwilling to chase lower prices and lower margins to generate volume. So they actually generate the highest operating margins in the industry, and they've tried to maintain those margins. And in doing that, the volumes have fallen away a little bit, and they've ceded market share. So that's that's there are a few warts at the moment, and a few things to worry about. But I think for the patient investor, this is still a really solid business um, in a growing industry where. Um, where your downside is protected by mm. the attractions of scale. If this gets really, really bad, it's going to get taken out because there are so many gains to be made by putting these businesses together and taking advantage of that scale. So I, I, I still think it's a it's a buy here, oh. um, but but keep in mind that that it has there are a few things working against it. But I think these are short term mm. factors, and we can largely look through those at the moment. Okay. So, so buy them. And it's been on the acquisition trail this year as well. So it's getting that scale and continuing to build momentum. Matham, what do you think of uh, Integrated? Yeah, look, it's a it's a high quality business. Uh, it's got really good management. Uh, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I think from memory, a number of years ago, Capital tried to buy them out. Um, yeah. Uh, really cheap too. And, <laughs> and funny how <laughs> they turned it down. You probably now look at it and say, will uh, IDX turn around and buy capital? Uh, you know, figure how times change. Now look, I think IDX is a really good business, but Gaurav's right, it was expensive. I mean, we were on it, but it got really expensive. Capital Health is your poor man's IDX. Um, and so when the thematic is good, um, when the underlying data tells you that uh, these guys are all doing well, even the, the ugly duckling like Capital Health gets pulled up and they've done really well. Um, now. Gaurav's right. I think there is a potential for M&A if they come off. That's your protection on IDX because it's such a great business model. But look, we've, we've kind of moved from the domestic pure um, health service providers because the multiples got too high and we've stuck with the global guys. So we've kind of held on to things like Sonic uh, where you've got a lot more diversification because at the end of the day, governments are spending money that they don't have. They're basically running an endless credit card. So at some point, these things have to unwind. So generally, you're going to either cut services or funding for services, or you're going to put up taxes. We're beginning to see that in UK. We're beginning to see that in the US. And it's inevitably coming to Australia. I mean, uh, the budgets are a complete mess. So when they start to try and fix it, there's going to be services cut. Uh, you know, the handouts will be reduced. So all of these guys will be affected. So that's the thing you took you know, you've got to keep in mind. So you wouldn't want to pay extreme multiples, but look, IDX is a great business model. If it gets beaten up, I'm a buyer, but around here, it's still expensive. There's too much expectations. The macro is going to start to turn against them. So I'd be saying, just be careful. Okay. All right. Um, our next stock, um, um, Nathan, is Wellard, um, which is a uh, 
basically a cattle exporter uh, of cattle and, and sheep. Uh, this hasn't come up on, on the call before either. What do you think of Willow? Yeah, look, I actually been keeping an eye on this one because of what's happening in the food play. You know, I love my food. Um, and, um, well, cattle you know, prices at, are record highs at the moment, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it's all about supply side shock. Uh, so you pick food thematics that where the supply shock comes from. Uh, look, this one, I didn't think you're going to get a supply side shock, but there's problems out of South America. And so that's boosted you know, bad beef prices through the roof. Um, the one that the bigger one is um, Aussie Ag, AAC. Uh, look, I wouldn't give it full marks for my management track record. It's patchy at best. And I'm giving it a, that's as good as I can get it to. And, you know, you put the size of uh, Aussie Ag versus Wellard. Wellard's a tiny stock. Um, so there's, it's the boost of what's happening in beef prices that's flowing through. Um, you kind, of, you kind of have to look at it and say how much of that is sustainable. I know, look, I always look at China because China tends to see these things in advance and do, you know, move ahead of these things. They brought a absolute shipload of uh, cattle from South America into, I think, Vietnam, um, one of their satellite countries, to, um, I suppose, back up their beef support. Um, so whenever these guys do these things, it's an interesting move ahead of things going wrong. And funny how it went wrong. Um, so I don't think it's going to be a long-term thing. I think there'll be a short-term hit to the, um, I suppose, beef prices pop up. These guys have a good run. And then it gets back to normality with supply and demand. So I don't think it's a sustainable bounce. So if you've been there, you've done well, take the money and run. The management in this sector does not have a great track record. It is not where you want to be when things go wrong. So right. um, I'm not chasing, uh, but it's also a tiny cap. Um, Aussie X done the same thing. It's popped up in play. If you want the uh, ag exposure, Instech Pivot had a pretty good update today with Ida. Hurricane damage wasn't a anything as bad as what people were thinking, so it's having a run. Uh, um, fertilizer prices are doing well globally, so you get that upside. Elders is still cheap, pays a good yield. It's a trader, doesn't hold the assets, so it, it does well in this macro. Again, just be careful buying uh, food stocks on a long-term thematic because these are weather-related. They do have these supply-side shocks. They are very cyclical, so yep. beware. Yep. Goran? Uh, well, Nathan was half right. He said, uh, take the money and run. I would just say run. Run as far as you can. <laughs> <These> are... <laughs> and I, I don't understand this desire that Nathan in particular has at the moment, but lots of investors have had over time to want to own agricultural businesses when when these are such awful businesses i mean if, if next time you get anyone gets a desire to own an ag stock go have a good lie down and convince yourself <laughs> otherwise just just look at aaco over any time period it is one of the worst performing businesses in australia one with one of the worst management teams perpetually it is awful and wellard is a close second this is a, an atrocious business with an, a terrible track record as well i mean I was actually surprised when I saw this name pop up. I thought, oh, I thought they had gone bust already because these guys were drowning under debt a few years ago. And the only way they survived, and it's clear on the balance sheet, is that they sold all their assets to pay off their debt. So what was a poor quality business, but at least it had lots of assets, is now just a poor quality business with no assets. They had $300 million of assets on balance sheet. They now have 50. 
it's still, despite selling almost everything they had, they're still trading at less than tangible book. And that's the, mar- that's the market telling you what a, a lousy business this is. Um, return on capital, sort of 3 4% over a long period of time, if it's positive at all. Okay. Um, sell. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Just get the money and go. All right, let's recap the, uh, the first five stocks. Uh, Sydney Airport, look, um, looks as though the board's going to um, accept the takeover offer, so hold on there. Other infrastructure uh, stocks, Maithen is saying, you know, APA could come under the guise of, uh, of these super funds that are after these sorts of assets. Uh, Seeker Sell from Gorab, um, a no from, from Maithen. Oz Minerals, um, if you're a long-term investor, um, uh, Gorab can see some attractions to it. It's a well-run company, otherwise hold. Maybe look at Samfire in that sector as well. A no from Maithen. Uh, nutritional growth, a no from, uh, from both, but are going to watch it. Integrated diagnostics, no from Maithen, yes from Gorab. And um, Wellard, a, uh, a sell. Maithen says if you're interested in that agricultural area, maybe uh, Elders and Insatec pivot. Uh, here on the call, we've been following our own fantasy portfolio since the 1st of July last year. Thanks to our partner NAB, uh, NAB Trade. Um, if uh, stocks get a, uh, a buy from both our exper- experts, they go into the portfolio for the last week. It's down 1.3% for the month, up just over 1% since the 1st of July this year, up 4.5%. And since inception, it's up uh, 41%. Take a look at some of the stocks recently added. Uh, Cluey, PWR Holdings, Resimac, Terra Royalties and PointsBet. Some of the stocks removed, Rio, Raise, Energy One and Appen. If you want to take a look at all the stocks in the calls portfolio, head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. All right, let's get into the second half. And um, uh, Gaurav Ken says, uh, could you please cover Reversum in the upcoming episode? They're in the semiconductor space, which looks like it's heating up with battery-powered vehicles. They're currently recruiting a new chief executive, but the recent report shows big increase in gross profit and uh, $9 million US dollars worth of backlogged orders. Uh, they specialise in design and manufacturing equipment uh, in the semiconductor market. What do you think of Revison? The short and honest answer, David, is I have no idea. I have... I've been... I, I don't understand what it does. And if we're honest, I think there are probably 200 people in Australia who do understand what this company does. And the rest of us, are, I don't know what we're doing. <laughs> you know, like I, I, This is such a niche technical field. Um, manufacturing chips is probably the most technically advanced activity humans do. Um, it works on, on, on an atomic scale. There are literally only only a few dozen people, maybe a few hundred people in the world who understand it. And, um, you know, everyone thinks because we're making more chips that this is a great business. Maybe it is. I don't know. But uh, these guys, I couldn't, I, they make um, machines to manufacture chips, which are different from the way chips are currently manufactured. Will it work? I don't know. (laughs) Like, how do you even make that assessment? Uh, This is a $45 million business talking about a revolutionary way to manufacture chips. Um, you know, I'd rather have the chips down at the casino. You know, this is, I have no idea. This, right. I, don't, I don't even know how you assess it. So um, avoid. Yeah, they, they say 
uh, state-of-the-art products used in grinding, polishing, and planarization processes to make devices for automotive, 5G, and other key markets. Uh, Nathan, yeah, do you know? The, the fact that they lean so heavily on these buzzwords, the fact that this is a manufacturing business of a very technical product, and their presentation is filled with batteries and EVs and chargers and TAMs, that alone is a strong sell signal for me. Right. But I would just caution that we really, we're investing in a real business here. These aren't just numbers flying around on the screen. And we have to have a deep understanding about why we're buying things. Uh, millions of other people are looking at the same information. And um, most of them are smarter than us. So we really need to know what we're doing. And with this one, I, unless you really know what you're doing, I can't see the investment case. Yep. Nathan? Yeah, look, I had to agree with Gaurav, but this has got red flags <laughs> all over it. Um, look, if you look at the thematic, you know, we always say Altium is probably the best uh, growth stock I know in the tech space. Um, they do printed circuit boards. Uh, and you look at the thematic that's playing out in that sector, whether you, you know, the chip supply side um, issues are well known. Um, there's only a few countries that do it uh, at scale. It's not something that you can just, you know, turn on and do it next week. This takes years, decades. So um, to change that dynamic, trust me, I worked in tech for years, finance tech, and to just to get uh, a finance business model to change infrastructure is the hardest thing. It's like getting blood out of rock. Um, so when you go into an industry that's been around for a long time and you're trying to change the dynamics, oh, look, it could be, it could be the answer, but it's going to take time. They're going to burn a lot of money. The share price performance over the last couple of years is telling you it's just hard and getting harder. And now will they, they'll probably need to raise more money. It's a 40 mil market cap. They need to raise more money to keep it going, pay everyone salaries while they try and do this. Now, if they do deliver, um, that's a big turnaround. And it's one of those things, till they actually prove what they're doing, it's too hard. You, you're punting on management and hoping that they yep. deliver. Uh, I've lost plenty of money trying to do that. Uh, so don't do that. <laughs> okay. Let's go to something that uh, uh, we're a bit more familiar with. And Margaret Mason wants a view on Westpac for an income investor. Yeah, look, I mean, the banks, it's, it's an interesting play. Uh, at the end of the day, the banks are a, a cartel that's not a cartel that's backed by central banks and governments. Um, you know, we have a royal commission and nothing happened. Um, the banks are doing what they do. They're finding third party to lend out as much as they can. Reserve Bank is pushing them to lend as much as they can. Um, three, uh, around September, October last year, they were actually cheap on a relative cycle. Um, and then now they are expensive. Um, you look at where we are in the cycle. I think the banks are relatively well priced. It's not cheap. We like insurance sector in the finance sector because I think they're cheap and they're to benefit from the cycle that's playing out uh, in a reflation play, in a premium rising cycle play. I don't think the banks are going to deliver much more. Westpac, look, the banks will be okay. They'll still give you yield. But if you look through the years, um, the banks don't do great, um, I suppose, investment on a capital basis. If you look at it on a total return, I don't think they've been great investments. Um, they've had a 40-year cycle of falling bond yields and interest rates. That's coming to an end. Rates are going to go up. Asset prices will come down. Sure, the central banks are holding it for now, but you can't look at it over the next five to 10 years and say that that's going to remain. If it is, the economy is in real doo-doo. So the reality is it will change and the banks will struggle. All the easy profit-making cycles like FX and credit cards and all of that are being killed by fintechs. 
fintechs are basically chopping them on in all parts of their high margin plays. So they're boring and they're really boring uh, and they're going to get even more boring. So for me, <laughs> on a longer term cycle, banks are not a place to be. I know historically it's been, but it's a cycle. So don't get suckered in. Banks are good till they're not. So we've had a massive asset bubble and banks benefit from asset bubbles. That's coming to an end. So just be smart about it. Take your profit, move to other businesses. So, so give Margaret a suggestion for an income stock. So look, I mean, we've been a big fan of things like uh, Telstra, things like right. ASX, Fortescue. things like, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, no. <laughs> like you think of Woolworths, you know, it's these are businesses that are solid domestic businesses yep. that are going to be around. They're going to be uh, doing relatively well through the cycle and they'll pay good yield. We're yep. in a low growth environment. That means yield won't be as big. So you've got to look at the outlook and then massive, you know, manage for that. Yep. Things like APA, it, you know, it's come back. It's boring. It pays four or five percent um, and it'll do OK. So this is the thing. You, you have to look at the total return basis. Banks tend to pay you good yield, but the, the share price can be quite volatile with the economic yep. cycle. So you okay. just got to understand the cycle you're in. Goran? Yeah, this is actually a very complicated and difficult question. I know it, it, it sounds easy. It's a big company. Everyone knows it. Um, but it's a very difficult question to answer because for an income investor, I think that the yield is probably safe around 4% or so. And um, that sounds pretty reasonable, actually. Um, you get franking on top of that. So if that works for you, then you could probably make a reasonable case on a yield basis. But I think one of the errors investors make often is forgiving uh, a lot of other sins uh, in the act of accepting the yield. Um, you know, on, on a total return basis, the banks, I, I fear, are actually being slowly disrupted. But the disruption is being hidden by, um, by the cycle and, and also by extremely strong property prices. Now, Australian banks... Um, are unusual in two ways in the world. One is that they are quite heavily um, invested in technology, and I think that's good. Um, and the second way that they're unusual is that they're, most of their mortgage books are made up of, uh, of real estate, of, of mortgages. Sorry, most of their loan books are made up of, of real estate. And, um, and that, that could be the thing that protects them, because I think I actually agree with Nathan that all the other businesses, um, loan, personal loans, car loans, credit cards, um, merchant bank, uh, merchant fees, all the other things that banks do are actually being severely attacked and um, successfully disrupted by smaller competitors. And all that action has been hidden by rising house prices and um, and mortgage uh, a mortgage book that keeps delivering profits. Um, so I think in the in the in a in a different cycle where mortgage book the mortgage book starts to fail a little bit. Um, these could get quite ugly because there's very little diversification mm. in the business. Um, I, I'm very careful about banks. Combank is actually a uniquely, brilliantly managed business, wonderful franchise, maybe a top five business in Australia. All the other banks are miles behind, and I would actually sell and avoid all the others and have a hold on Combank. Okay. All right. Um, now, um, Ollie wants a view. We might go back to you, Nathan, on this because Ollie uh, calls you out saying previously talk fondly about ag stocks. Uh, <laughs> so, 
So I think we know Gorad's view on this. Uh, elders, what does he think, of, for example, elders, uh, what does he think of rural funds, which is uh, basically a, a real estate investment trust uh, uh, across vineyards and cattle properties and agricultural plants? Yeah, look, I love ugly things, but this has got, it's got an interesting asset base. It's got a huge, it just reminds me of some, you know, they've kind of diversified in a space that I think is quite interesting um, to reduce the risk. So I, I think it looks good, but the market kind of priced it in as it's low risk. Uh, I think you've got to be careful. When you're looking at ag sector, I don't care whether you're just looking at the property or the actual execution of the uh, business, all of these carry a lot of risk. When things change, it can change quite ugly. So what are you buying it for? So for me, Elders, I think it's a well-run business. It's a trader. It's not holding the asset. So it benefits from the cycle. Um, you know, fertilizers, insect pivot, I can understand the whole thematic. People are trying to get more out of this. Food prices are high, so that flows on. They're willing to spend on fertilizer. Now with rural funds, they're managing a lot of property assets that are quite well priced. I mean, rural properties are as good as they've been for years, right. decades. So in that context, they're as good as they get. You're getting a decent yield, but that's all based on the asset value. Now, if the asset value start to fade off, you could be in a declining trend. So for me, it just comes down to if you've been there and you've run up, you've done really well. Uh, now take the money and go to something else where you get total return. You've got to think yeah. of total return. So when the cycle turns, share prices will come off, your yield won't be as good. So it's a bit like, you know, I don't want to be in agri stocks or mining stocks or retail stocks for yield. That is always a bad sign. So okay. don't get carried away with the yield. Look at the total return. And I don't think this one stacks up. Yep. Gaurav, uh, no, you don't like ag stocks, but what about agricultural property? What about a rate like this? Yeah, the, the clever thing about rural funds is that it's, it's found the most pro profitable part of the entire value chain here and it's and it's and it's built its business around that so property is actually the best part of of the the value chain so what these guys do is they own property orchards uh cattle stations and then they collect rental income from the optimistic souls who operate those properties and try and make um money out of them and um they've done that for a while and done it quite successfully but they're now doing a bit of a pivot and they're moving. They've sold a lot of their legacy properties. So I think they've sold some a big chunk of cattle stations and some some fruit trees or orchards. And they're now moving into nuts. So wow. they've just planted a whole bunch of and purchased a whole bunch of I think it's macadamia, some sort of nut. I can't remember which one. Nathan also being yeah. a nut might know, but I, 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 I can't remember which one. You know, um, it's Mac but, macadamia. They did yeah, a capital macadamia. raise recently, didn't yeah. they? And that was yes, one of the things right. they were going to invest in. That's right. When, I, I, <laughs> I quite like I quite like the hustle that I see here. I like the fact that they're willing to change up um, their asset base and pursue what they think are the best opportunities. I think that's that looks good, and the the record here is quite good. It's a controversial business in the office, and it divides the analysts at Intelligent Investor because. Um, if you look at this just on the numbers, it actually looks pretty reasonable. But then you turn over to the cash flow and it's just all over the place. And for a REIT business, um, it probably should be a bit more consistent. So we haven't really worked out what, what's going on with the cash in the business. But it's clear that the property values run through the profit and loss statement. So 
I know the PE says it seven or eight times or whatever, but you can safely ignore that. And if you just look at this on a cash basis, it is actually quite expensive. And right. the yield um, might not be as sustainable as you might think. I think this is interesting enough to hold. And I like the fact that management's trying different things. And mm. um, I'd be willing to watch it for a bit longer. Just hold. Yeah. Um, just backing that up, a part of the capital raise was to buy water rights as well. Yep. Eight and a half. So they really are entrepreneurial. Um, Harry wants to view uh, Gaurav on Coronado Global Resources. Uh, Harry says, I'd like to ask Gaurav and Nathan next time about Coronado. Uh, coal prices are flying. They like Whitehaven and give that a bit of love. Uh, what about Coronado? Um, of course, has metallurgical coal in uh, Queensland um, and also some mines in Virginia and West Virginia in the US. Yeah, so they actually bought West Farmer's um, Curra mine, which is a right. splendid coal mine. It's a mixture of met and thermal coal, but super high quality. Um, I actually think they picked it up for a pretty good price. And um, it, this business should probably be better than it actually is. The asset base is not too bad here. It's mostly met coal, um, and it seems reasonably good quality. But I, I think management here... Um, are not as good as the competition. So we own, and I own personally, Whitehaven and New Hope. Um, and I've been saying all year that coal is the most um, the most mispriced asset in the market, probably less true now than it was a few months ago. Um, but I, we we're willing to back Whitehaven and New Hope because there's no doubt that the coal market is disrupted, that long-term it's a, it's a dead market. And you want to be in the businesses with the best assets, but also with the best management who will pay you dividends and extract um, right. cash from the business as quickly as possible. And Whitehaven and New Hope have long track records of doing that. Wonderful managers. And these guys do not. In fact, they've raised capital twice at uh, very low prices. And I'm a bit wary of how this business was hobbled together, how it was sold in an IPO and the incentives of management. I'd probably give this one a wide berth. Okay. Um, I know it looks good on an asset basis, but you really want to, management to be exceptional in this sort of um, difficult space where okay. you have a short amount of time to harvest as much cash as you can. So yep. stick with Whitehaven, stick with New Hope, um, avoid this one. Nathan? Yeah, look, uh, sadly, I have to agree. Um, I mean, coal <laughs> and uranium are the hot... Um, energy plays at the moment um as with anything if you if you've been a dog long enough suddenly you get supply demand problems coming in and that's what's happened to coal um but look just in the last couple of weeks china is moving to um you know i suppose suppress speculation in coal um so those kind of moves are always red flags as well now if you look at it's not a small cap i mean it's two billion um so gurab's right in your tough sector you always back the, the top guys who got the best management. And the reality is Whitehaven and New Hope are the best managers uh, in that sector for us. And they've proven that. And trust me, I've listened to Gaurav badger me about these things for years. Um, <laughs> so the reality is uh, it's, it's a proven fact. And in this cycle, you want to be with the best guys and the biggest guys. Because if it goes a bit pear-shaped, if China decides to pull it down, You've got liquidity, you can get out, management's good, cash flow is there, so it'll hold up better than most. This is when you don't want to be in the high beta play when the risk is high. So I'm not chasing Coronado here. Okay. It's just too risky. 
All right. Uh, our final stock, um, um, Riley wants a view on Iris, the big uh, uh, financial technology and software business there into market data, financial advice, uh, superannuation, life and pensions here through uh, Asia Pacific, North America. Um, have been chased, uh, Nathan, haven't they, by EGT Funds Management. They've made a couple of offers. The latest one at 15, what is it, equivalent of 15.91 a share. Um, the Iris board looks as though it's going to recommend to shareholders. I hope so. It's, it's probably the best deal they're going to get. Um, right. uh, look, Iris has got, it, it's, it's a first mover. You know, the cost base uh, for clients is pretty good. Um, so it kind of worked well. It's not the greatest uh, product out there. Um, but look, it does quite well for what it is. But it's always got the problem of how does it grow? I mean, it's a regional uh, play for a new, re- you know, when it goes into a new region, they'll have to come up with new products. It's it's the flexibility in the product to adjust to that and be able to compete with uh, big players out there. There's some big gorillas out there in that industry. So it's not the easiest thing to do. So growth is always hard. Um, it makes sense for consolidation for the big players to start or, or the medium players to buy each other out to get to scale. And that makes sense for me. So this is the logical play for Iris. Uh, I hope they sell uh, because if the takeover goes away, I see a substantial risk in the share price. So right. I'm not going right. anywhere near it. Okay. Uh, Gaurav? Yeah, I think Nathan has, has nailed that. Um, the business is actually a good quality quality business, but it's struggled to grow because the factors that make it good quality in Australia are the same factors that prevent it from gaining market share overseas. Yeah. In that it's just hard to break into this industry um, and it always will be hard. So they're yeah. always going to have this growth issue. They've done pretty well launching new products and trying new things. I think that's all been fine. But this takeover does appear attractive. I think it's going to go through. And if I was a shareholder, I'd, I'd sell into it. I think um, it's a it's a good price for a reasonable business. And, and that should be the end of it, really. Terrific. Uh, great, Sadie from Intelligent Investor. Always great to catch up. Make the Snobbs and Dara and I'll get... We'll let you go and feed the cat and make sure it's still alive. Feed the cat. Uh, with the kids. Give Hedwig our best. Good to see you guys. Thank you. Thanks, guys. All right. Let's recap the final five stocks. Revisum, a no from both uh, uh, Nathan and Gorev. Westpac as an income stock, a no from both. Um, Gorev prefers CBA if you're, you're looking at the, the four banks, big four banks. Uh, income stocks, Matham um, prefers Telstra Woolies or APA. Uh, rural funds, a hold from uh, Gorav, a sell from, uh, sorry, a hold from uh, Matham, a sell from Gorav. Uh, Coronado, a no from both. Um, they prefer Whitehaven and New Hope if you're going to look at coal. And with Iris uh, selling, uh, take up the takeover offer because uh, it's a good deal. Um, if you've got any stocks where you'd, uh, you want covered on the call here, put them in an email, the call at ausbiz.com.au or tweet us using the at TV handle. Uh, to see all the stocks in the calls portfolio, ausbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Mm-hmm.